This is the Victory Podcast. Every week, we'll share an inspiring message about God's grace and forgiveness for you, wherever you're at in life. Your victory starts now. I don't follow politics as much as I used to. I used to listen to talk radio and I would listen to FM and AM just so I could see what both sides are saying. Every once in a while, I'd pick up a newspaper and check out the political section and see who the latest candidates are and, and what agendas or ideas that they're putting forward. And, and I used to be pretty involved in, 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 in kind of the debate. But I don't do that as much anymore. And it's not because I don't think government is a good blessing. It is a good gift from God. Even the Bible says that, that, that the government is a good gift that comes from God. It's a good thing. It's just I'm having a harder time trying to figure out who I should listen to who I can trust. There's so much spin and, and fake news and, and, and it just seems like people are telling me what I want to hear so that I could somehow serve their agenda. And I just haven't found a leader that I can follow without reservation. And so I find myself becoming less and less engaged in politics. And I don't think I'm the only one. I talked to quite a few people who, who used to really be involved in politics and now just kind of disenfranchised and, and don't know what's true, don't know what's fake, don't know what's real. Everyone seems to be saying opposing ideas. There's so much anger out there. And so more and more people, I think, are just becoming less and less engaged. Here's my concern, that, that what is happening in, in politics seem to also be happening in the church that just like more and more people seem to be getting less and less engaged in politics, it seems like more and more people are becoming less and less engaged in Christianity, and maybe for some of the same reasons. There is this maybe assumption that, you know what, maybe I was a, a, a lifelong, every Sunday, Bible-believing kind of Christian at one time, but now, over time, I just don't know who to believe anymore. It just seems like sometimes the Christian church is just another organization looking to control me or, or lead me to follow their agenda. And, and maybe for some of us, we just haven't found a leader that we can follow without reservation. That's how you feel. I'm glad you're here today. Because we're continuing our sermon series called Start With Jesus. And we're on the second week of that sermon series, Start With Jesus. And the whole point of this sermon series is to challenge some of the assumptions that people have of Christianity. And here's one assumption that, that some people, and maybe you, have of Christianity. That Christianity is just another organization trying to control me. That has this agenda, tell me, what, tell me the things I want to hear to try to control me, to try to coerce me. And, and, and you've seen that in politics You've seen that in other organizations and your assumption maybe is, well, that must be happening with Christianity as well. And so what I want us to do today is to start with Jesus. Forget what you, what you heard about Christianity. Forget, uh, just go to the Bible and see who Jesus is. Let's go to the founder of Christianity and see what Christianity is all about. And so if you would do that, if you would just pick up your, pick up a Bible, and you'd start to read the, the biographies of Jesus. They're called uh, the Gospels. Um, the Gospel according to a man named Matthew. The Gospel according to a man named Mark. The Gospel according to a man named Luke. And the Gospel according to a man named John. Four different, um, different perspectives on the life of Jesus. What you find, just looking at without, um, 
without assumption, just, just looking at the words, you see Jesus always talking about a kingdom. He's always talking about a kingdom. It's almost like his campaign speech. He's marching into towns and, and every one of the gospels, every one of the accounts, he's marching to these towns and, and he's got this like this speech that he gives. He says, repent, the kingdom of God is near. Like he's on a campaign trail. And then he goes around and he, he speaks to different groups of people and he has these, these teaching lessons that he, he, he teaches. And, and, and usually the lesson begins like this. The kingdom of heaven is like, and then he uses illustration, like, like seeds, like a, like a net. And he will use a visual ex explanation of the kingdom of God. So he's always talking about a kingdom. He even marches into Jerusalem, like King David marched into Jerusalem, acting like a king. And his closest followers figured that out. They, they, they realized he was always talking about a kingdom. And they were motivated, so moved by this idea that Jesus is this king that that the, the Jews had been waiting for for literally thousands of years, all the prophecies were pointing to this king, that they left everything to follow Jesus. And what we hear very often is they're kind of wrestling for special places in Jesus' kingdom. And that's what we're going to see today in our reading from Matthew chapter 20. Uh, this is what we read. Then the mother of Zebedee's sons came to Jesus with her sons and, kneeling down, asked a favor of him. What is it you want? He asked. She said, Grant that one of these two sons of mine may sit at your right and the other on your left in your kingdom. Now, most commentators uh, believe that this woman was named Salome. We, we see her name, uh, this woman, pop up uh, other parts of Scripture. She's one of the followers of Jesus. Her husband was Zebedee. And Zebedee was a fisherman, and he was probably expecting to pass on his, his, his industry to his boys, James and John. That's what they did back then. And that, that was pretty common, especially in, in Europe and, and in the history of, of, of the world, basically. You know, that's why there's so many people with the last name Baker or Smith. Those were these job descriptions, these jobs, these industries that they would pass on from one generation to another. Your, your job was connected to your family. In fact, I'm a saddler. And supposedly, uh, in, in my dad said this, back in Germany, you know what, a couple hundred years ago, we were saddle makers. That was our job, right? And we passed that on to the next generation. And that was going on here. And so, uh, Zebedee would have expected to pass this industry of fishing onto his kids, but but James and John, they took off to follow Jesus. And so their mother, Salome, is probably concerned about them and said something like, you know, all right, my boys, they, they left dad's business, my husband's business. Make sure, Jesus, that they're going to be okay. Could they be, at, at, you know, give them a place upon, you know, they're such good boys, like every mother would say, right? <laughs> These are the, the best boys that you could even ask for. Put them one on the right and the other on your left in your kingdom. And Jesus realizes that, that, that she has a misunderstanding of what he means when he says, I'm a king, and what he means by saying, I'm bringing in a kingdom. And so he says to her and to all of them, you don't know what you're asking. You don't know what you're asking. You think my kingdom runs like the kingdoms of this world with positions of prominence? You think my kingdom um, is, is about a physical location? It's actually the ruling in our hearts. And yeah, one day God will come to this earth on the last day and his kingdom will be visible and his rule will be over all things. But right now, 
his kingdom is not something you can necessarily always see. And so he goes on to also explain the cost of being prominent in his kingdom, what it actually looks like, the cost of being in his kingdom. He says this, can you drink the cup I'm going to drink? That's a Hebrew idiom of saying, are you all right? Are you willing to suffer? Can you drink the cup that I'm going to drink? We can, they answered. Jesus said to them, you will indeed drink from my cup. Uh, They would suffer. James would be killed by Herod, one of the Herods. And and John would be tortured and sent to the island of Patmos where he wrote the book of Revelation. So he said, you will drink from my cup. You You will suffer, but to sit at my right or my left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they've been prepared by my father. Yeah, to be great in my kingdom, first you suffer. I'm going to suffer and then I'll be exalted. If you want to be big in my kingdom, you have to suffer first and, and you will suffer, but, but you really don't understand what I'm talking about. Now, when all of this was going on, this discussion that Jesus was having with his disciples, uh, another discussion was going on that, that the other disciples were grumbling. And, and here's, the, here's what was going on. Matthew 20, verse 24. When the 10 heard about this, they were indignant with the two brothers. When the other 10 disciples heard this discussion about being first and second in Jesus' kingdom, they were indignant. Why were they indignant? They weren't angry that Salome, their mother, had asked the question. They were angry they had asked the question first. They wanted to be first in the kingdom They didn't want James and John to be at the right and the left. They wanted to be first in the kingdom. They wanted to be in place of prominence. And they were just mad that they were too big of cowards to actually ask first, right? And so there was this envious disagreement about getting to be places of prominence in Jesus' kingdom. And so Jesus had to clean all this up. He knew what was going on. He could see the conversation happening. And so he says to them, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them and their high officials exercise authority over them. Jesus was saying, you know how governments usually work. You know how governments usually work. Usually, uh, you've heard the stories about Julius Caesar marching across the Rubicon and and taking over the Roman Empire and and, and putting everybody under his thumb. You know how Caesar Augustus ran his kingdom and put everybody under his thumb and was in control and forced people to follow his agenda. You know how governments usually work. Governments, you know, many people wanted to get in place of power, to be a king, to be a leader, to be the next Caesar, so that they could rule over the people and control the people. And, and maybe today we could say this, if Jesus was speaking to us today, maybe he'd say, you know how governments work today? You know, a lot of times politicians will spin the truth, say what we want to hear, so we vote for them. They get into office and then you're under their agenda. You know, they just say what we want to hear. Sometimes they say what we want to hear so that they can be in places of power. That's very often how earthly governments have always worked. And then Jesus looked at them and he says, Not so with you. Not so with you. That's not how we're going to run my kingdom. That's not how we're going to run my government. That's not how I'm going to be king. Not so with you. It's not going to work the way you're used to seeing things work. It's not going to be spin and power plays and agendas. It's not going to work that way. It's not about power and control, ruling over people. That's not how it works in my kingdom. 
And so he goes on to explain the values of his kingdom, explaining how things work in Jesus' kingdom. He says this, Instead, whoever wants to be great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave. That's how things work in Jesus' kingdom. Those are the values of his kingdom. You want to be great? Then you got to learn how to serve. You want to be first? Then you got to go to the back of the line. In other words, Jesus' kingdom is a lot more like the magic kingdom than Julius Caesar's kingdom. How many of you have been to the magic kingdom? Raise your hand. You're still painted off, aren't you? <laughs> we used to live in Florida, in, in Orlando, and uh, we had a member of our congregation named Vinny. He had been working at the Crystal Ball restaurant for 25 years as a server. High energy guy and, and, in, and encouraged us to come with him to, uh, to, to be his guest at, at, at Disney World. And I remember going there and, and looking around. It had been a long time since I'd been to Disney World and thinking, this is it? This is, this is what people like empty their children's um, savings account out for, right? Like they empty the retirement to come all the way down here to go to Disney World. This is it? And I, I couldn't see it because like, you know, the rides don't seem that much greater than, you know, Six Flags Great America or something. Like why? What's the big deal here? And then he explained it to me. He said, the secret here, the magic here is the people. You see, Walt Disney had this dream of making a whole different type of amusement park, a whole different type of music park that ran in a whole different set of values. And the values were the guest experience. It's all about the guest. In fact, the 70,000 employees that work there don't call themselves employees. They're called cast members. And so when they put on their uniform, they're putting on their costume. And it's all about serving the guest that walks in. It's all about the guest experience. They try to embody that line from Beauty and the Beast, be our guest. Now, it's not a perfect comparison, obviously, but, but Jesus had a vision, not for an amusement park, not just for a government. He had a vision for a new kind of kingdom. A new kind of kingdom where the king would be a servant, where the first would go to the back of the line, when it all about would it be all about serving people, lifting other people up, loving other people, putting yourself second so you can put somebody else first. And this wasn't just a dream that he had, wasn't just a hope that he had, it's something that he embodied with his very life. In fact, at the end of this section, uh, Jesus says, serve just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus says, the reason we're all about service in my kingdom is because that's what I came to do. And that's what we see he did. He became last so that you're first in his kingdom. He let himself be seen as a sinner so that God the Father will look on you and call you a saint. He became nothing so that today God looks at you and says, you're everything. He became poor so that when God looks at you, he says, you're rich. He became cast out of the family so that today, no matter who you are, where you've gone, the, your background, God could say of you, you're my child. You're part of my family. He became nothing so that you would have everything. He served with his life, with his death, with his resurrection. And that has some implications for us today. 
And the Apostle Paul brings those out in the letter he wrote to the Philippians. It was our reading today, our first reading. Um, The Apostle Paul says it this way. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Think like Jesus. How did Jesus think? Who being in the very nature God, he's God, he did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found as appearance of a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. If you're going to work at Disney World, you have to have the mindset of Walt Disney or you won't last very long. It won't work out for you. And Paul is saying, if you want to call yourself a follower of Jesus, you need to have the mindset of Jesus, a mindset of a servant, a mindset of, of serving other people like we've been served by God. And, and so here's the big point. The church is at its best when we serve others as our guest. That's when the church is being the church. The church is being his church when we serve other people, when we make it all about imitating Jesus, serving others as Jesus first served us with his life, death, and resurrection. That could change things. I I think maybe one of the reasons that people have walked away is because we've lost this. Maybe we lost that it was about service, about loving other people. And so today, as we start with Jesus... Start with service. Start with service. No matter who you are, start with service. So um, maybe I could talk, first of all, to some of you who grew up in the church, like me. You're every Sunday kind of person. And I noticed this shift maybe in my own heart, and maybe you've seen it in yours, where after a while, instead of making it about serving Jesus and serving people, maybe you thought it's about me being served kind of almost got caught up in this consumeristic society. And so you say, well, that was a pretty good sermon, but not as good as last week's, right? Or, or you know, that music was pretty good today, but, but it didn't really serve me tomorrow, as much as the, as, as the other week. And it was, it was pretty good, but, but I don't really feel served. And, and it's important to get spiritually fed, but it's not only about us receiving. If we want to be the church, We want to be who Jesus is called to be. It's about serving, about serving one another as Jesus first served us. It's not being served, but but serving one another. So start with service. Start with service and you'll, you'll, you'll remember who Jesus is. Remember what the gospel is all about. It's about a God who served us. Then maybe some of you have gotten disengaged with Christianity. In fact, if there was a a handout and and, and a a sheet and and if it was giving you options for faith, you might not even mark that you're a Christian. You might not consider yourself a Christian anymore. For whatever reason, you got burned in the church, maybe you just uh, have your doubts, have your concerns. I would give you the same advice. Start serving. Start with serving. Start serving one another. And as you serve one another, you might just begin to start believing in the ultimate servant, Jesus Christ. He's the headwaters for all love and service in this world. We love because he first loved us. As you start with service, as you start serving one another, you might get to know the ultimate servant, Jesus Christ, and start to believe in him again or maybe for the first time. This church was built on a culture of service. It had to be. I don't know how much you know about the history of this church, 
Um, I've been kind of watching it from a distance. Pastor Ben Kurth, when he founded the church, he, he started it in a little Bible study in the home that we're living in now. And then when that grew, they started to, to rent out Polonia soccer field, uh, the, the, the house there, the, the building there. And everyone had to be all hands on deck. Everybody had to serve 100% of people. They didn't have any choice. And so people got there and, and mopped up whatever kind of fluids were on the floor, right? Beer or whatever else they had to mop up before worship in the, on, uh, in the morning. Then they had to set up the music and then they had to set up the media center. Then they had to set up the breakfast and then they had to be outside greeting people and then they served during the service. And then when it was all over, they had to break it down again. And it didn't, didn't change much when, when, when this church moved to the movie theater. You had to turn the movie theater into a sanctuary every week, right? You had to get there early, all hands on deck, everybody's involved. Um, you had to set everything up, uh, put the music up, put the band up, uh, put the media center up, get everything ready for the cafe and then the, the kids team. You had to get everything ready, serve during the service, break it all down, and then do it all over the next week. It was all about a culture of service. And that culture continues here to this day. And I want all of you to have an opportunity to join in on the fun. Not necessarily because this church needs your service, but because you need the opportunity to start with Jesus and remember what the kingdom of God is all about. Serving the God who first served us. It's not about us only being served, but receiving Jesus and serving one another in love. And so after the worship service is over, there's going to be an opportunity for you to get information on all the different serving teams where you can start engaging your faith in serving one another. Now, I'm not saying that, that serving here at Victory is the most important part of serving. There, there's other things that you do in your day-to-day life that, that could, you could say are even more important than serving here at Victory, as, as maybe you serve your spouse or serve your children or serve your community or serve your neighbor. But what I am saying is that it should also happen here. In fact, when we serve here at Victory, that kind of heart a life of service, the the kingdom values of Jesus, the values of his kingdom might start pouring over into all the other areas of your life. This kingdom would spread. A kingdom that's all about being last and putting others first. A kingdom that's all about exalting others just as Jesus exalted others as he hung on that cross. I know it's probably unwise for me to even bring up politics at church, Right? Because there's, it just brings up so many different feelings. I mean, some of you um, are, are very involved in politics, maybe in the Republican side or Democrat side. You, you go to the rallies, you got the bumper stickers, you, you're very active, right? And God bless you. That's wonderful. The politics and government is a good gift from God. You hear me say that? It's a good gift from God. And there's maybe some other people here who are just getting less and less engaged, uh, kind of drifting away just because there's so much confusion. You don't know who you can trust. No matter who you are, here's something that you can trust in. Jesus. Start with Jesus. He is a leader, a king. Somebody that you can put full trust in. He has a kingdom that you can fully live by and embody. One that you can be proud of. One that you can stand behind. One that will get you excited and give your life meaning and purpose. So start with our Savior, Jesus. Start with Jesus. Start with serving, serve one another in love because wherever Jesus is and wherever his kingdom is present, that is the happiest place on earth. Amen. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for serving us. 
You loved us while we were unlovable. You died for us before we deserved it. You rescued us when we couldn't rescue ourselves. You didn't come to be served, but to serve and to give up your life as a ransom for us. Lord God, open up our hearts to to see how much you love us, how much you serve us, the extent of your love. And then Lord God, help us to put our faith in action. Help us to live lives of service. Let your kingdom come among us. Let your rule be among us so that people would see we're living under a different king. We're a part of a different kind of kingdom. One that puts everyone else first and ourselves second. In your name we pray, amen. Thanks for listening to the Victory Podcast, brought to you by Victory of the Lamb in Franklin, Wisconsin. For video sermon archives, more information about us, and to let us know how we can meet you where you're at, go to victoryofthelamb.com.